You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. You know, every good gift comes from the Lord. Everything that God places within our hand comes from Him. And the things that God places in our hands, those resources, whatever they might be, if they are financial resources or whatever, we need to take those resources and honor God with them. And if we do that, you can be sure that God will prosper you. You can't outgive God. Listen, I don't want to get into this big thing about giving and tithing and we rarely even... One of the names of God is Jehovah Nissi, meaning God provides. In his message today, Pastor Mike reminds you that everything you have has been given to you by God. What you need for your livelihood and what you need to live a life pleasingly before Him, He provides. What He provides will multiply if we simply give back to Him to honor Him. It's like the parable of the talents. When you invest what He gives you in His kingdom, you will reap heavenly return. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 8 as he continues his message, Surrounded and Delivered. We don't know what to do. Well, listen, it's in times like that where we make our appeal unto God and God will go before us. But it's a testimony to God's preserving power. And what God did for David, he will also do for you. You can be sure of that. So the idea here then is that no matter what strategy the enemy used, uh, let's bring this down to personal term. I want you to think about your own personal enemies no matter what it is, whether it's a, you know, the devil using a, a person to afflict you or to say things about you that are untrue or you know, whatever problem or difficulty you're facing, the idea here is that no matter what strategy the enemy uses, whether it's chariots or cavalry or footmen, difficult terrain, the Lord always prospers his anointed and he makes them successful. You know, let me give you a cross-reference for this. And next time you're facing something like this, hold on to this promise, because this promise is for you and for me. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 54, in verse 17, there we are told that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Now, there are times when we feel so harassed. And, uh, you know, just because we're a child of God, we're not exempt from those kinds of situations, those kinds of experience, where we're just overwhelmed. 
and we begin to ask and question, where is God in all of this? You know, it's hard to, at times like that, to reconcile a God who is supposed to supremely love us. You know, why has God allowed this? Why has God allowed that to come into my life? And it's in times like that where we begin to ask the question, where is God in all of this? What's the purpose? Remember, going back to my original statement, it was so that Israel could possess all of the land and make good on his promises that he not only made to Abraham, but also to David, as well as to the nation of Israel. And so please take that into consideration the next time that you feel as if your back is up against the wall, where you're facing an enemy that seems greater than your capability to be able to deal with. So there are times when we feel so harassed, so overwhelmed, and then we begin to question whether or not God is working in all of that. But here is a wonderful example for us of perseverance against odds that are stacked up against us. Listen, David, and we should do likewise, put his trust firmly in the Lord. He called upon him, and guess what? God heard him. Listen, that's our first recourse always. Call upon the name of the Lord. You know, for most people, it's the last recourse. You know, we try to get out of our situation, our dilemma. We turn to other people, right? Looking for help. And when that fails, when all of the doors are shut in our face, you know, then we turn to God. But God should always be our first resort, right? We need to make our appeal unto God. David did exactly that, and he heard from God. You know, I think that that's what David was thinking about when he wrote the 60th Psalm, and I just want to highlight one of those verses for you. In the 60th Psalm in verse 12, and I believe that David wrote this Psalm out of this particular experience, he said, and I quote, through God we shall do great things. And chapter 8 is all about David being able to do great things. And then he goes on, for he shall tread on our foes. So listen, just slip it on over to the Lord. Let him defeat your enemies for you. But also, let me temper and balance what I've just said out by saying, at no time did David and his army become slack, become complacent. They used every physical and spiritual resource and effort was made to gain the victory. And likewise... When we come up against our enemies, our problems, we mustn't back down. We must confront each one of them and use every resource at our disposal. And what are those resources? Well, prayer, as I've already suggested. Go to the Word, seeking counsel. You know, sometimes when we're facing life's problems, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond to those problems. Hey, listen, go to the Word, and God will speak to you there. It's there that God provides his counsel for us. He'll make a way. He'll give you the blueprint. He'll give you the ABCs. He'll answer your questions, right? God wants to do that. That's the way that God speaks to his people, through his word. So take advantage of every resource that God has made available to us that's at our disposal. Well, let's go on now. Notice there in verses 7 and 8, in reference to the spoils of war. As I mentioned, 
David is successful in all of these campaigns. And what would follow would be the spoils of war. So in verses 7 and 8, we read, And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadad-Dizer. And then we are told, And he brought them to Jerusalem. For what reason? And also from Beta and for Barotai, cities of Hadizer, that is, those were cities that he ruled over, and King David took a large amount of brass. When Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all of the armies of Hadadizer, the spoils of war, the reference to the spoils of war. And notice, David dutifully devotes the spoils of war to the Lord. And again, these spoils of war uh, represented a vast wealth. And so David used them in the embellishment of the temple. So that's the reference. He brought them to Jerusalem. For what purpose? The building of the temple. Now, in one of our previous studies I had mentioned, it was in David's heart to build a temple for God. He felt as if it wasn't right for him to live in a palace, remember that had been uh, built for him there in the city of Jerusalem, while God dwelt in a tent that is in the tabernacle. And up until that time, the temple hadn't been built. So it was in David's heart, and remember, he expressed that desire to Nathan the prophet, to build God a temple. But God refused that request. Why? Because David was a man of war, and he had shed much blood. The good news was that his son Solomon would build the temple in his place. But then God would use David to gather up and acquire all of the materials in the building of the uh, temple. And so that's what's going on here. So the spoils of war were taken and dedicated for that very purpose. That is in the building and the erecting of the temple that would be built by his son Solomon. But then also notice the cities of Beta and Berotai, verse 8, these two regions apparently acknowledging David's authority. You know, obviously, I mean, God was with him, powerful. At this time, you know, David is actually becoming the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. So these two regions switch their allegiance from Hadadizer to David. And notice, they pay him a huge tribute. So Satan's strategy, and again, I believe that all of these battles and all of these conflicts were satanically and energized by the devil himself. So Satan's strategy in stirring up these kings against David has so far failed. The Lord makes even the wrath of these kingdoms to turn to his praise. And David uh, suggests that in the 76th Psalm in verse 10. You know what I take away from all of this? You know, God loves to take people and things that are trophies for the devil and make them trophies to his power and his grace. That's the business that God is in, right? And again, as I mentioned before, what God did for David, he will also do for you. Okay, let's go on now. Let's read verses 9 and 10. When Toy, the king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all the armies of Hadadizer, then Toy sent Joram, 
his son to King David to greet him and bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer, had been at war with Toy. So obviously they, they were uh, enemies themselves. For Hadadezer had been at war with Toy, and Joram, the king's son, brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, and articles of bronze. Okay, so we discover here then that when Toy, the king of Hamath, which was located, by the way, some background, on the Orientes River, which was located 100 miles north of Damascus, hears of David's victory over Hadadezer, he uh, sends his son Joram to court David. And what he's trying to do in all of this, this was wise, he's trying to establish some kind of an alliance with Israel. So David, obviously, is held in high esteem by these other monarchs. And the people of Hamath voluntarily become Israel's vassals and commit to paying an annual tribute, which also, notice, David consecrates to the Lord. Because in verses 11 and 12 we read, King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued. All of these conflicts, all of these battles that we've just read about. From Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadizer, the son of Reob, king of Zobah. So, what do we take away from this? Well, David honored God and all that he had received, and God exalted and honored him. You know what? In this, we've discovered the principles of giving to the Lord. You know, every good gift comes from the Lord. Everything that God places within our hand comes from Him. And the things that God places in our hands, those resources, whatever they might be, if they are financial resources or whatever, we need to take those resources and honor God with them. And if we do that, you can be sure that God will prosper you. You can't outgive God. Listen, I don't want to get into this big thing about giving and tithing, and we rarely even talk about that subject. But I think it's actually come up here in the text. You can't outgive God. Whatever you give to God, it's going to come back to you. Tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. You can't outgive God. If you honor God with the resources, it's all His anyway. He's going to continue to bless you. Because now you've become a conduit through which God can work. That God can use those resources to further his work, to further his kingdom, that he might be honored and glorified through your giving. There's a blessing in giving. You know, don't hold on to those things that God has placed in your hand. Just give them back to you. It'll only enable you to receive more from the Lord. You know, David put it this way, my cup runneth over. You know, we come to the Lord, think about this, if I can use this as an illustration, as an empty cup, right? And a prior to our even knowing God, We're bankrupt, completely and totally bankrupt. And so we come to God like an empty cup, if I can use that analogy, that illustration. And as we walk with the Lord and obey the Lord, the cup begins to fill. God begins to fill that cup. And eventually that cup becomes an overflowing cup. 
and everyone around us bathes in the overflow of what God is doing. But God continues. We become that conduit through which God can work. Don't ever be afraid to give of the Lord. You're really, you know, selling yourself short by doing that, holding on to the things that you possess. Give back to the Lord. Honor the Lord, and God will honor you. Now, let's go on, verses 13 and 14. And David made himself a name. You know, he didn't make himself a name. God made him a name. A man of renown, a man of honor. He was honored by all of the kingdoms, all of the other monarchs. And David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also put garrisons in Edom, throughout all Edom. Edom, by the way, is located between Judah and Edom. The Valley of Salt is, by the way, is located between Judah and Edom. He also put garrisons in Edom. This is down by the Dead Sea. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. I just love that. You know, put your name in there, right? The war with the Edomites south of the Dead Sea was conducted during the war against the Syrians of Zobah and Damascus. There's probably some collusion between all powers that were involved, because if you look at uh, all of these nations on a map, like, for example, at the back of your Bibles, if you have a Bible atlas, you'll see that these different nations and kings came from four corners of the land of Canaan, from the north, the south, east, and the west. So there was probably some collusion involved here going up against Israel. Hadadizer attempted to cut off supplies from the north. The king of Edom attempted to do the same from the south. But nevertheless, they were not successful, and David triumphed over each one of their attacks. And then finally, here in this chapter, we have a glimpse of the internal administration, the workings, the positions of the nation and government. Okay, so let's read the final verses of chapter 8, verses 15 through 18, and then I'll break that down for you. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. You see, that was his chief concern. And that's why God blessed him. And that's why David prospered. Why? Because it was in David's heart to administer judgment and justice to all of his people. You see, David was truly a good king. Verse 16. Joab, the son of Zariah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilid, was the recorder. I'll explain all of these different positions for you. This was sort of like David's cabinet members of his administration. Zadok, the son of Ahitub, Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. Sariah was the scribe. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over both the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and David's sons were chief ministers. Okay, so David serves in the capacity of what was referred to back then as the Shabbat. What was the Shabbat? The judge in the tradition of those appointed by Moses 
to decide matters of dispute. Remember now, the numbers of people who came out of Egypt during the Exodus was astronomical. It has been suggested that there were three million people that were a part of the Exodus. And remember, Moses and his brother Aaron were their leaders. And therefore, they had to resolve all kinds of conflicts and judges. And there were all kinds of different things that came up that had to be dealt with. And Moses was spending all of his time resolving conflicts. So anyway, his father-in-law, and I'm going to ask you to turn there with me, just some background, we have time. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 18, if you just quickly turn there with me, I just want to show you something. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 18, in verses 17 through 26, and Moses' father-in-law offers some really good counsel here. Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse 17. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. In other words, he's spending all of his time. He was exhausted in resolving these conflicts for the people. Both you and these people, Israel, who are with you, those who made their way out of Egypt that were a part of the Exodus, some several million, will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people as the Shabbat, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statues and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk, and the work that they must do. But moreover, you shall select From all the people, able men, such as fear God, reverence God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter that they shall bring to you, you know, things that are irreconcilable, okay? But every small matter, they themselves shall judge. And so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. And so, some really good counsel that Moses' father-in-law offered. But however, David was the supreme judge of his people. His duties approximated these duties that was born by Moses. Each tribe had its own judge that was appointed by David, and only matters of great consequence and irreconcilable differences were then referred to David. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, We're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Samuel, an Old Testament book that continues the story of David. David was a great king, loved by many, and forever etched in history as a man after God's heart. Yet, he wasn't perfect. God used David in powerful ways, even after he had failed. And God can use you, too. 
Are you still seeking the Lord? Are you repentant when you fall? God sees your heart, and He's merciful, and He has great plans for you. Continue to trust in His goodness and faithfulness, and let Him use you to bring glory to His name and share the good news of the hope that's found in Christ. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more right here on In My Father's House.